Hello, and welcome to the Being Well podcast. I'm Forrest Hansen. Today we have a special episode for you, concluding the strength of intimacy. This episode is audio taken from a presentation Dr. Hansen gave for his online Foundations of Well-Being program. This talk focuses on a key component of intimacy that we alluded to during our previous episode on unilateral virtue, dealing with undependability in our relationships. We have a natural desire to trust a reliable world, but life happens and no person or organization is perfectly dependable. So, we often under- or overreact to undependability, harming ourselves and others. During this talk, Rick focuses on how we can face undependability squarely and cultivate the inner resources that help us cope with it. As a quick note, the audio quality here may be a bit lower than you've come to expect from the podcast. I hope you stick with it and enjoy the episode. I am Rick Hansen for the Foundations of Well-Being, focusing here on the intimacy pillar of well-being and the fourth theme in this pillar, which is when others are undependable, an actually really important aspect of intimacy, if you think about it. In terms of this topic, I hope to cover three particular things. First, the natural longing for dependability. So understandable, very poignant. On the other hand, second, the reality of undependability. And then based on that, get into the third topic of how do you center yourself amidst undependability of one kind or another? So let's get to it. In terms of the natural longing for dependability, uh, my own background a lot is in early childhood. And one thing that's very striking, young children really need supportive, reliable caregivers. In a word, dependable. That's what I mean by dependable. Reliable and good or beneficial or supportive. They need it. Second, they look for, they seek a reliable physical universe, you know? So if they lean against a wall, it doesn't move. Uh, But if you lean against a chair, maybe it moves. So you learn to take that into account. And then in terms of the fundamental processes of cognition, what the brain of a very young child is doing, as well as obviously an older child or adult, is looking for what's unchanging, what's invariant, what's reliable, what's dependable across individual experiences. This is a natural process that's occurring. And then in terms of the natural desire or longing for dependability, as children or adults, much the same is the case. We look for, we want dependable relationships, we want a dependable body, and of course, we want dependably rewarding experiences. That's where we start. In other words, ancestors, if you think about it, or animals back in the day that did not want this form of dependability were less likely to, likely to survive and pass on genes that passed on genes. So this longing for dependability is innate, it's deep in us. Then, of course, life happens. The reality of undependability. For example, you know, to start with, dependable caregiving and a dependable environment get internalized as important resources for self-caring and coping and for other good things as well. On the other hand, no caregiver or environment is perfectly dependable. So, depending on the person, if inner resources and outer repair of undependability um, are adequate, then even more resources grow. And when I say adequate, it really depends on the child. Some kids are just more sensitive than other 
kids are to the in terms of the impacts of undependable caregivers or physical environments. On the other hand, if the caregiver or environment is not sufficiently dependable and if resources are not sufficiently present inside the child already and if repair is not sufficiently adequate, then if any one of those three things occurs, then the whole topic of dependability becomes charged uh, with intensified desires for it or denial of it, dismissal of it. And this stance of desire for dependability or dismissal of the need for it that's externally directed gets internally directed as well at our longings for dependability. So this is a very poignant process and added to this uh, process that has to do kind of at a macro level with the outer world, uh, there's an aspect to this that just has to do existentially with the fundamental nature of our own experience, what is sometimes called phenomenology. So to begin with, the mental neural system altogether, the mind-brain system, if you will, even just to simplify it, is profoundly dynamic, constantly changing. Neurons firing typically five to 50 times a second, synchronized waves of um, neuro, uh, synaptic activity moving through the brain, you know, five to 50 times a second as well, sometimes even faster. You know, it's a very dynamic and complex system. Inside this system, for us to just simply perceive a banana distinct from the tree, or the hand distinct from the cup, or you know, a thought about me distinct from a thought about you. Just to do that, the, you know, mind-brain system has to continually make efforts to do the impossible, to create partitions in or segments in inherently unified systems and to stabilize endlessly changing processes. And this, of course, is a kind of inherent tension, a subtle form of suffering, if you will, um, that's just innate and having a, an animal body with a nervous system. And then, if you look closely though, experience itself is transient and insubstantial. It vanishes even as it emerges into consciousness. Therefore, any experience, the sound of a bell, the sight of a flower, the feeling of being loved by another person, the sense of satisfaction and getting something done, any moment of experience, because it is transient and vanishing as soon as it appears in awareness, and also because it's by its nature, it's insubstantial. You can't hold on to it. You can't grab it and keep it. Because of these two inherent qualities of the nature of experience that apply to any particular kind of experience, experience itself is an undependable basis for lasting happiness. Holy moly, now what do we do, right? So we get disappointed, right? Environments, the outer world is undependable. You know, buses are late. Governments don't get the job done. Pencils break. You flip a switch, the light is already burned out. Earthquakes happen. Changes happen, right? People 
people were undependable, you know? They've got, or I'll get to people in a second, bodies. Bodies get older. I've been noticing that lately. Uh, we get diseases. Things break down. Uh, we develop conditions, autoimmune illnesses, where the body tries to attack itself. Bodies are undependable. And, of course, people are undependable. You've probably noticed that as well. You know, they break their agreements. They don't understand what you're talking about. They believe things that are just totally, obviously, really not true. They have other priorities. And sometimes, they deliberately target you and mistreat you. Right? So, this is the reality of life. And then, what about this fundamental aspect of groundlessness, that you want to have a place to stand, but the undependability of our outer environments, our own body, and other people. And I, I haven't even gotten to the undependability that's inherent in the nature of experience itself. This undependability can really, really rattle you when you open to it. And I should add that myself, I've been on a real journey the last year in terms of my own inner practice uh, facing and really seeing and grappling with undependability and its impacts and then what to do about it. Right? So you start sometimes by like, wow, you really let me down. Or wow, I didn't expect that to happen. You're rattled. Next thing or another thing, there can be kind of a violation of a natural sense of order. Wait a second. We project on adults, you know, the expectations we appropriately had as children for perfect or at least very, very good attuned caregiving. And when we don't get it, it's like, whoa, wait a, wait a second here. It's not supposed to be like that. Or earthquakes. I grew up in Los Angeles. You know, the ground is supposed to be stable. It's not supposed to be like this. Bodies, you know, you kind of think, oh, my body's really tough. It's strong. It's going to be here a long time. When it starts breaking down, it's like, what? You know, I'm going to die? What? It's like, ugh. Violates a natural sense of order sometimes. Additionally, there's an innocent, childlike longing in us that's very sweet and very pure, even if it's completely unrealistic for a just world, for perfect understanding of ourselves, for other people to be really forbearing and tolerant. In other words, the expectations uh, of others that are natural and appropriate for a young child can get in the mix now for us as, a, as adults. And that uh, childlike longing can get frustrated very frequently if we're not quite conscious of it. Another aspect here is that if you start tuning into, as I was saying, the undependable nature of experience as experience altogether, maybe through your mindfulness practice or other forms of insight, um, you start realizing that, wow, we live in a virtual world of constructed experience that is endlessly undependable as a basis for lasting happiness. More groundlessness. And then last, you can end up with this sort of weird feeling. Where do I stand? You know, at any moment, you feel like the rug can get pulled out from underneath you. And that is a very, very disturbing experience to have. And it can also be very um, concrete, you know, and down to earth. You expected someone to come through for you. They didn't. You hoped that they would come through for you. Maybe they even agreed to come through for you. And they didn't. And the sense of shaky ground in that relationship or in life altogether 
um, can be a very concrete and everyday, I mean, or not, hopefully not everyday, but a kind of normal, ordinary sense of groundlessness. I mean, people can think about groundlessness in a pretty mystical way, but mostly I think people experience this groundlessness in an all too keen and penetrating sense, especially in relationships. So what can we do about it? Well, that's where I talk about centering amidst undependability. So some suggestions here, very much from my own, you know, growing edge of practice. Uh, first off, see it, face it, recognize the groundlessness. Wow, they really did let you down. Wow, there really is a history here, let's say, of this person truly not coming through for you. Okay, I got it. Or, wow, I can see in retrospect that you really actually had no intention of keeping those agreements you made with me, on the basis of which I took lots of risks with you, say, or made various investments in you. And yet all along, wow, you didn't really intend to come through. It wasn't actually a real priority for you, for whatever reason. Wow. Uh, this body, see it. It's frail. It's fragile. It's really subject to breaking down. It needs a lot of help. Wow. See it. Another thing to do to center amidst groundlessness is to shore up resources inside yourself so that you can feel it. Not just see it, but feel it and also accept it. Like, wow, this is really the way it is, at least so far. Maybe this undependability in, a, in an important relationship might change. Maybe I can do some things to help my body become more dependable. Maybe I can move to more dependable physical environments. Um, whatever it might be, it might change over time. But meanwhile, I need to accept that it is what it is and resourcing myself, like doing the practices we're going to be doing in this theme of the intimacy pillar or other things, being able to be centered and calm, um, even when things are rocky around you, um, can really help you feel it and accept it. Also, be kind to yourself. It's, it's scary. It's disappointing. It's frustrating. It's mind-blowing sometimes when you realize about undependability. Be nice. It's, it's hard to bear the actual undependability that truly exists all around us. Another aspect here is to become disenchanted. I don't mean disenchantment in the sense of kind of a negative, grumpy attitude. I mean it in terms of waking up from the enchantment waking up from the spell in which, understandably, uh, the mind uh, wants to see more dependability often than is actually the case. And instead, see reality for what it really is. Not with a critical edge to it, but clarity. As if you're standing on top of some mountain, looking out on, on the plains below you, seeing things for what they truly are, no longer caught in a kind of spell or dream, but instead being disenchanted. Also, engage others as appropriate. Call them on the undependability, the broken agreement. We're going to get into a lot of the how of this in the, in the courage pillar of well-being. Um, also, uh, double check, you know, did you understand correctly what they had said they were going to do, for example? Or 
um, over time disengage from people that are not so dependable and engage more with people who are dependable. I mean, there's a place for a coping response, even though here I'm mainly talking about internal practices. Also, be dependable yourself. One of the takeaways for me about um, recognizing how and a variety of cases or situations or relationships in the last year, I've really come to see uh, a lot of undependability out there. And I'm actually surrounded in general by really good-hearted, relatively dependable people. But in the context of seeing all that about them, it really caused me to look more at myself. It's the old line, if you point one finger that way, three are pointing back at you. You know, so I became much more focused on, aha, how do I make sure I'm not undependable, you know, for other people and to make sure I'm taking care of my own house, you know, clean up my own side of the street. All right. Also, this is part's really cool. See what is dependable. And here are some examples. It's kind of a, one thing that also pops out for you when you start really becoming disenchanted about and clear eyed about what's really, truly undependable you start seeing so many things that actually are dependable. For example, awareness. Awareness reliably represents whatever we're aware of, right? It's dependable. Another thing that's dependable is the knowing of what's true. When you actually know what's true, and it really is true and your knowing is accurate, the accurate knowing of what's true, you can count on that. You know, I know that water, I can drink it, right? Presuming it's water. I know that if I pour it like that, it's going to splatter on my desk here. Not so good. You know, it's going to happen every time. My knowing of this is true. Another thing is to know your own goodness. Honestly, your goodness might be covered up by other things. Uh, It might not express itself in certain situations. But the innate goodness in your own heart is dependably, reliably true. Also, think about uh, the past. Whatever good has happened in the past cannot ever be changed. And the ripples moving forward in time from the good in the past, the good you, from yourself, the good uh, acts of thought, word, and deed, um, the good acts of other people, the people who invented the wheel or electric lights or uh, helped put together the internet. I mean, that goodness or develop the rule of law or compose beautiful songs, or figure out that the area of a circle is pi r squared. Um, That cannot be changed. The fact of that is dependably true. Another thing, kind of moving out here, is life altogether. You can count on life. Even in the most dire of circumstances, I think life is going to continue, certainly within any frame of time that would be meaningful to a person. Also, going even further out, physical laws are dependable. They are not impermanent. Two plus two is always four. The area of a circle on a plane is always pi r squared. Uh, Laws of gravity, the way the universe interacts, the stability of certain constants, um, you know, they seem really quite dependable. Another thing that's dependable is the fact of change. You can count on change, and you can count on interdependence which means that you can count on cause and effect relationships, right? That is pretty useful. You know, if you hit a golf ball, you can count on things happening. If you um, cultivate goodness in your own heart, uh, you can have some sense that there will be good effects 
from those good causes. I mean, that's pretty dependable. Going further out, how about the ongoingness of allness? In other words, not getting too cosmic here. It is a fact that there is everything. It might include all kinds of stuff that we don't understand or is very mysterious and weird, like dark energy or quantum weirdness. But basically, allness is allness. Inside allness, parts of allness may change and break down and be undependable. All right. But allness itself, the whole kit and caboodle, is dependably ongoing. The ongoingness of allness. And then, if it's meaningful for you, the dependability of mystery. Whatever might potentially lie outside the natural frame of mind and matter. Such as, if it's meaningful for you, transcendental, divine, God. Whatever that might be for you, if that's relevant here, it too is very dependable. So, uh, to quick sum up here, I think takeaway is to recognize undependability, face it, move through denial of it or defending against it because it's almost intolerable to see, see the truth, and then help yourself uh, practice with it and center in yourself as you deal with it, including through being more dependable or being dependable yourself and recognizing other things that are dependable, such as your own good heart and allness altogether. That concludes today's episode on When Others Are Undependable. Once again, it's taken from Dr. Hansen's online Foundations of Wellbeing program. The Foundations program is an online, year-long course that teaches us how to develop the key inner strengths that lead to a good life. If that sounds familiar, it's because this podcast is largely based on its content. The Foundations program also provided the conceptual structure for our book, Resilient. It's the comprehensive, down-to-earth summary of Rick's 35 years of helping people help themselves. And if you enjoy his work, I really can't recommend it more highly. I'll include a link to the program in the description of this episode if you'd like to check it out for yourself. We hope you'll join us again next week when we begin the 10th strength in our year-long series, Courage. Until then, thanks for listening.